The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 110. Finland is the undisputed sauna champion of the world with an incredible 3.3 million saunas for only 5.3 million people. So that's what people do when it's cold, dark, and lonely for half the year. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less, and also an iTunes Top 100 rated podcast. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is my good buddy, and I guess we can call you a co-host now, since this is your fourth show. I wrangled you back again, my good buddy, Nick Hirsch. Nick, how you doing? Good, Travis. Happy to be here again. I know the only reason you came on was because we finally hit the top 100 in iTunes, right? I know. Now that you're, you've reached that level of popularity, I feel like you know I can finally come back on. Yeah, you're going to be putting that on your resume, right? When you apply for, oh, I have to. <laughs> for yeah. foreign service jobs? I, I can't say, uh, you know, it makes me look good, Travis. <laughs> we are sitting in two very different locations right now. I am actually... Right by, I am outside because this is where I got the best Wi-Fi, right by a pool spraying this like citronella spray on me to keep the mosquitoes out. But otherwise, it's beautiful. I am in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I think it's probably about 80 degrees, a far cry from where you are, right, Nick? Yeah, I uh, I can't imagine that right now. I'm sitting in my apartment in D.C. It's really nice outside, clear, no clouds, but 40 degrees. It's really cold. So yeah, Thailand doesn't, you know, it seems like a totally different world. It's so funny when I record these all over the globe, like with people who are in different areas. I mean, I know it's it's the internet, it's Skype. Yes, we can talk to each other. You know, it's magical. But it's just funny to think of you in Washington, me in hot Chiang Mai, and now we're going to do a show on the best winter destination. <laughs> so for me, that's very funny. The best winter destinations in Europe because... I came to Chiang Mai, Thailand and Southeast Asia for five months to escape the winter for that one purpose to escape the winter. That's that's really why you're there right now. That no other reason. Well, I guess the cheap food, the fact that I'm paying like literally twenty dollars a night to have a really nice room at a quote unquote resort. Okay, let's let's start the show here, Travis. <laughs> and I, I need to hear about this. Well, I will mention too, Nick. I I brought you back not just because you're one of my best friends, of course, but we're running a survey, and you can get that at extrapackofpants.com/survey. And one of the questions that I asked people was what were, what was one of their favorite shows. And three different people said they really liked your shows. Some people said they loved the book books ones, which were awesome. And then two people actually said, we really liked when you brought Nick on from the Foreign Service to talk about like how he was in it and his experiences and things like that. And one person said they even signed up to take the Foreign Service exam because of you. So God, that's pushing up the numbers and recruiting now. Yeah, man. So thanks. Uh, guys, if you want to fill out the survey, we are giving away a $50 Amazon gift card. So you can buy basically all the books. Well, not all the books, but some of the books that me and Nick talked about in the <laughs> top travel books episodes. Um, if you want to fill that out, that'd be really helpful. Extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey. 
And I'm also excited to say that we are asking for people to give us topics and guests and make suggestions about what they want to hear on the show. And this suggestion came from a Twitter follower at Far3TheWell. So I said that right, Far3TheWell. And he wanted to know, he asked us, can you do a show on the top European destinations in winter? So... Of course, I said yes. And then I thought, well, who knows about European winters much better than me? And that's how you came on the show. So <laughs> that's, that's a very niche thing to know about. I, uh, <laughs> I, I will say my, my experience, we're going to go through and we, as always, we have had to go to these places. So we've had to had experience these places in the winter. So there are going to be some left out that I'm sure are, are wonderful, but we didn't experience them. So we've had to experience them. We haven't talked about them beforehand. So Nick's list is a surprise to me. My list is a surprise to him. And if you do have suggestions, we'd love to hear them because we haven't been everywhere. So you can leave that at extrapackofpants.com slash Europe in winter. That's where we'll be putting the show notes as well. So Nick, all right, here we go. Top 10 places in Europe to go in the winter. And I should mention, for frequent flyer nerds, this is especially important because everyone can travel to Europe in the winter, but it's a much easier to get tickets to Europe in the winter using your miles. And also, American Airlines currently runs an off-peak thing where it's way less miles to fly I, I believe it's like October 15th through mid-May or something. You'll have to, I'll have to check that. But you know, so even frequent fire nerds are getting something out of this because it's much easier to fly there. So let's get into it, man. Let's let's talk awesome. about our our top ten. You'll give me five. I'll give you five. But before that, let's talk about. We do have a few that we would suggest not to go to. Let's lead off with ones that, <laughs> yeah, you know, you you could go to, but we're not going to suggest to go to. You have a few of them, right? Yeah. Um, for me, it's 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 sad because this actually is a really cool town, but. Yeah, I just had a very bad experience there. So I was in Krakow maybe like 10 years ago. And I think it was like February or March. So it was really freezing. It was snowing. And Krakow itself is a really nice little town. I'm sure it's actually even nicer now than when I was there. You know, there's a lot going on. It's very cultural. It's a beautiful town. It's very cheap. You know, Poles are lovely people. There's great food. Um, it, it's just a really nice place. But that said, being there in winter was not the best idea. And in particular, um, we went out to Auschwitz. Um, you know, it's like a two-hour bus ride away, maybe from Krakow. And that was single-handedly probably the creepiest experience of my entire life. Really? Yeah. Now, was it Auschwitz? Was it because it was the winter? I think it was, it was, I think Auschwitz in general at the best of times is obviously going to be a pretty creepy place. But we went and it was snowing. It wasn't snowing heavily, but it was, you know, it was flurrying. So it was empty. The staff all stayed inside. And... We basically just like wandered around Auschwitz for a couple hours with nobody there with it snowing. So it was just maybe a little too authentic. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so you're, you're wandering around going through the buildings. They've, you know, the upkeep there has been pretty phenomenal. So it feels very much like it did in the 40s, I imagine. At one point, you know, we, we got into like one of the, the chambers or something and it was just this like a overwhelming and oppressive feeling that like millions of people had died right where you were standing. And we literally like ran back to the bus stop, got on the bus and left. Uh, it was, it, it was so creepy. Krakow, so Krakow just sounds cold. Like when you say <laughs> it's it, it's, cold it's name. yeah, it just sounds like a cold place. Yeah. And uh, you know, my mom's actually been there, I think like twice. It's, it's a really nice city, uh, Krakow. 
But, you know, one of the main draws for Krakow is that you'd go to Auschwitz, and I would just highly recommend not doing that in winter. I love, though, that you said, oh, I was here about 10 years ago, because it's even even though I went places 10 years ago, I didn't travel near as much 10 years ago as I did now. It's just funny, right? It's funny to say 10 years ago and then think, yeah, that actually, it was 10 years ago that you went there. I know. One of yeah. one of mine that I wouldn't suggest going to in the winter. I have two. So, do you have two as well? Yeah, I can come up with one. Oh, all right. Hi, yeah. Okay. So, I'll give you one, and then you can give me one. We'll go back and forth. There. Is um is London, and hmm. I don't love London. I don't hate London. I just hate London's weather, and I would probably say that two hundred and ninety days out of the year or more. But I just I didn't really like it in the winter. I don't know. It, it you know it's a great city to see. But I just, I don't know. It, it To me, it's too damp, it's too cold, all that kind of stuff. So I was not a big fan of London in the winter. I'd, I'd actually agree with that. I was thinking of whether to put it on or not um, on, on like my top 10 list. And I decided against it for basically the same reason. I mean, I, I like it in the winter. And I'll say this again with a couple other cities. There's a lot of really cool places in Europe that are better in the winter just because the locals come out more. I think they're more at ease. It's less, you know, like the tourist season. So people are uh, able to live their lives better and it's cool to see that. And in London, especially, you know, I love soccer. So it's that's the time to go, you know, late fall, early winter is when the best games are. But for whatever reason, London in the winter just never really clicked for me. I was there for New Year's once and it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of depressing. And I think it is mostly the weather. Um, I'm fine with the cold. It's the rain. Yeah, it's the rain and people stay inside and, you know, everyone comes out in London when it's sunny, which isn't very often, but you know, you have a much better chance in the summer than in the winter. And I just, I'm with you. Everyone's inside. It kind of just seems very dead and I don't particularly enjoy it at all. What's another city that you would suggest not to go to in the winter? So this is, you know, a little sad, but I would... I shouldn't be saying this, but the Baltics in general, Vilnius, uh, Riga, Tallinn, I, I think they're lovely places. And I, you know, I love living in Vilnius and I do actually recommend it in the winter, but at a specific time of winter, once the snow is actually on the ground and all of that, but October, November, and December in Vilnius and Lithuania and in, in the rest of the Baltics is the most depressing place I've ever been in my entire life. It's not cold enough for it to snow, but the weather moves in as if it would be snowing. So it just, it's like 35 degrees and raining for two or three straight months. So it has none of the magistry of, of winter. It's just flat out depressing. Yeah, that in-between time where you're like, well, this would be great if it was snowing, but it's not. Or it'd be great if it's warm, but it's not. And yeah, that's, I've never, obviously I've never been out there. I never came to, to visit you there, but um, I yeah. I know. Um, but I've heard that a, a lot about the Baltics in general, even like Sweden and Finland, like the whole area around the Baltic Sea, early winter is really depressing before the snow actually makes it there. Well, does it also get dark super early? I mean, are you far enough north? I guess you're not near as far north as, as Finland, Sweden, and things like right. that, but I, I imagine it gets dark pretty early. It does. Um, and actually, uh, I have another place in Scandinavia actually on my list, so I'll get to that then. But for... In terms of darkness, I mean, it gets light earlier than you'd think, but sun sunrise is still probably like eight thirty or nine a.m. and sunsets like three or four p.m. at the worst. Yeah. So it's not it's not a lot of sunlight. 
Yeah, I have one more. I guess this is kind of cheating here. I have one more on my list of not <laughs> that I wouldn't suggest you go to, but I just realized that I actually never went during the winter. So I'll throw it out there. I think you've been there during the winter, so you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Uh, that's Berlin. And I just, I feel mm. like Berlin would be super, super cold in the winter. It's it's not actually. I mean, I, I was there um, maybe like seven or eight years ago in the winter and I, I liked it. I, I love Berlin actually. I think I've actually been there twice in the winter and the first time I didn't like it so much. And every time I've been back, I've liked it more and more. Berlin, first off, is super cheap. I mean, I don't think people really think about it that much as a cheap travel destination, but compared to the rest of Germany, it's incredibly cheap. I think like the, you know, the East German economy, although East Germany doesn't really exist anymore, but like that part of, of Germany, the economy is really bad still. So uh, it's really inexpensive. Berlin itself has like all of the cool infrastructure of Germany with this like interesting, almost like South American vibe to it. It has sort of like the quirkiness of the East still. Um, with the money of Western Germany. And I I love Berlin. Um, and in winter, I, I think it you don't really lose much of the charm. Yeah, I will say I loved Berlin when we went in the summer. So maybe that's, you know, shading my mind here where I'm like, I, it was awesome in the summer. Like when it was nice out, it was one of my favorite cities. I mean, people are out on bikes, there's cafes. Like you mentioned, it's really cheap. It has a cool vibe because it is kind of two cities almost. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's very new. I mean, everything is new. It's very counterculture because of everything that happened there. And um, I really, really loved Berlin as well. So yeah. maybe you should go in the winter. Don't listen to me. Listen to Nick, guys. <laughs> and let's get into then your top your top 10 now, or your five and my five. And Lita, give us your number five. Ooh, um, it's, it's just hard to rank them. But I'd say that for me, number five would be Istanbul in the winter. I was hoping you'd I, put this on because I haven't ever been, and I, I. But it sounds awesome in the winter, so go ahead. Yeah, and I actually think, in terms of European cities to travel to, it's probably higher than number five for me. Um, but I think there are just places that are better in the winter than Istanbul would be. I think I've only actually been there in the winter. I went for New Year's one year, and I was there in like February or March, and um, it's just it's awesome. I mean, it's it's very pedestrian friendly. Um, so it's really easy to walk around and you know walk on the bridges and cross between the sort of modern artsy area in the north and then uh, the more touristy cultural part in the south with with the mosques and uh, uh, like the big market. It's awesome for shopping, fantastic food. And, you know, being there in the winter and seeing how crowded it was, I can't imagine how crazy it would be in the summer. And I imagine the weather gets pretty hot and, and uh, you know, kind of disgusting in the summer, too. So I think winter is a perfect time to be there. If we were doing a list of, you know, top 10 European cities to visit in the winter that we just thought were cool and hadn't been to, I Istanbul would probably be right up there. I assume the weather's really nice as well then, or compared to the rest of, of Europe. It was, I mean, yeah, I think relative to the rest of Europe, definitely. It, it wasn't warm. It was probably in the 40s and 50s. Um, but it, it wasn't snowing. It was bright and clear every day. You know, you'd wear a jacket and a scarf and be fine. Um, and nothing was closed. You know, like a lot of of more touristy towns will shut up shop or, you know, parts of it will shut up shop in the uh, in the winter. And that wasn't the case in Istanbul at all. That said, I wouldn't recommend doing New Year's there. I think they, uh, they have a different understanding of New Year's maybe than we do. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, Marissa and I booked this nice terrace restaurant that was like really highly recommended on TripAdvisor and they had this special dinner for for New Year's and we're sitting up there on the terrace and you know like the really nice gorgeous bridge over the Bosphorus 
uh, is lighting up for like hours at advance of midnight. And then at midnight comes and it, the bridge has the lights like count down in a special way. So, you know, every, every second it's blinking a different pattern. And then uh, we get up to midnight and the bridge just goes dark. And, and that's the uh, waiter came over and he was like, thanks guys. Happy new year. <laughs> and they kicked us out of the restaurant and that was it. <laughs> so it's like celebrate right up until new year and then boom, it's done. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny. Um, but that said, I mean, I, I I loved it, and I you know I'd go back any time of year. But I think winter there is pretty cool. Yeah, my number five is interesting because I actually when I first thought about this, I'm like, no way, this is making my list. I'm going to tell people not to go here, and then I thought more about it, and I was like, no, 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 this is a good place, and that's Prague, and we were there in May. And I know that's not that doesn't really constitute winter, right? But it was during a five day period. They have a special name for it. I don't remember how they pronounce it, but it basically means winter is back. So like during this five day period, they get winter again, you know, in May. And we were there during that, and it was awful. But the reason it was awful was that we didn't have the right clothes. We were expecting you know moderate temperatures, and we were moving on down to Croatia. So we, I think, I literally had one sweater. And maybe one sweatshirt and it, you know, is raining and gross and, and things like that. So, you know, why should you go there in the winter? Well, we went back in November and it was only for a day and a half, but it was awesome. Um, it was hmm. nice. It was brisk, clear skies. You know, Prague is an absolutely beautiful city, great cafes getting to be fairly touristy. So, I mean, obviously during the winter, not many people go. And I've heard that the Christmas markets and all in Prague are mm. on par with other places, which we may talk about later in the show, but on par with other places for just having great Christmas markets and really festive atmosphere during Christmas. So we weren't there during Christmas, but I, you know, if I was prepared to go to Prague during the winter, I think it would be fantastic because I, you, you would be, it would be cold, but it would be that nice, cold, you know, and, and that, you know, beautiful city to stroll through and things like that. Hmm. I, I, uh, actually, I've only been to Prague once and I didn't like it and it, it was winter and it just, I don't know why something about it. I just did not like, and it was, it was at the end of like a two or three month trip. It was full of tourists. I was coming from, I think from Auschwitz. So I was used to being alone and, uh, it, yeah, I just didn't like it, but I, you know, I've heard a lot of reviews like yours. Yeah. I mean, and that's the beauty of traveling is that a lot of everyone has a place where they, or a few places where everyone says they love it. And then you go and you're not impressed, but then that's why you then find something else so awesome because, you know, everyone has their own flavor and their own taste and things like that. And, um, it's pretty cool to see how things resonate with certain people. So Mm, yeah, yeah, very true. What's your number four then? My number four, um, I, uh, it's sort of the same as as Prague with you, um, but it's it's Paris. And actually, I maybe I should put this higher. Uh, well, my number um, four is Paris too. So we can just do oh. this together. We'll just you <laughs> well, give me go. you talk about your experience. I'll talk about mine. So Paris was one of those places where I'd been to France a number of times as a kid with my parents, but never to Paris. And then as I got older and was like making my own travel decisions, I guess you could say, um, Paris is one of those places where everyone who's ever been overseas has been to Paris, and they all love it. And, you know, I just remember like a pretentious friend in college being like, oh, it's the most musical city. And I didn't even know what that meant. But as soon as I heard that, <laughs> I was like, you know, screw it. I'm never going there. I don't want to go there. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, you know, like two or three years after that, uh, I ended up going at Christmas time. And it was my first time in Paris. And I 
went and immediately knew exactly why everyone loves it so much. Yeah, um, I have I have a love hate relationship with Paris. If if people have, I, I've mentioned this a little bit on some other podcasts, I love it for all the reasons that everyone loves it, right? It's magical. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I love it at night. I love biking around. I mean, literally you turn any corner and you're just looking at something amazing. I hate it during the day a lot. I It's dirty. It's busy. It's expensive. So uh, my love hate kind of is like divided between the day where I, you know, there's just too much going on and I'm spending money during the day. And then at night when I can walk around and just take in all the beauty that is Paris. It's kind of, yeah, I guess yeah. that's the best way to describe it. I, I, I've been there twice too. Once in the dead of winter, like you mentioned, right after Christmas. And it mm. was, oh man, like they do Christmas. I mean, it's it's beautiful anyway, but during that season, it's, I don't know, I think it takes on a more mystical quality even. Yeah, and I think Paris is probably like the best example of a city that is just totally different in the winter than it is in the summer. I yeah. mean, I think you go in the summer, it's crowded, you know, you can't do anything without running into a million American, Japanese, Brazilian tourists. You know, you can't eat anywhere because everywhere is so crowded. And then, you know, July and August, the French all take vacation too. So none of like actual Parisians are there. But then in the winter, you know, it's much less touristy. You can actually go to places without crowds. You can eat in in restaurants you want to eat in because, you know, it's the market's not flooded with people. So I think it's just a totally different city. And I think, you know, Parisians are a bit more excited to get out and actually say hi to people and, you know, be a little bit more accommodating in the winter compared to the summer. I totally agree. And I would say, you know, there are some on my list that I'm going to mention. I'll probably mention this a few times, you know, less touristy so you can do more things. That was a big consideration for me. Also, better prices, especially on accommodations. I mean, food isn't going to change much, but accommodations and things like that, just because there aren't as many people. Now we're talking... If as long as you're not going right during Christmas season, I mean it'll be flooded with tourists then too. But if you're going before Christmas, after Christmas, yeah, you you can score much better deals on accommodations. Where you know during the touristy season, I mean Paris, one of the most expensive cities in the world. One of the reasons I dislike it is because yeah. it's so expensive. I feel like I can't do anything. But if you're paying a hundred dollars less for a room a night or something like, or you're able to get Airbnb places that are cheaper than hotels because they're open because there's not as many people there, it makes it a much better experience. And I kind of, in my head, I just remember the first time I went, and this was one of my first. It was my first trip ever overseas, and I remember like being bundled up, walking around, sipping a hot chocolate, and just looking out and thinking. Wow, is the rest is all the rest of the world like this? You know, like this is amazing. Um, yeah. No, it's not. But Prague, I feel like Prague would kind of be that way. Even though you said you didn't like it, um, but Paris, I, I know a lot of people listening will want to go to Paris. Obviously, as does everyone, and that's kind of like you mentioned. But if you can go in the winter, it will be, as Nick said, a completely different experience. It will be cheaper, and I think it's going to be a little bit more authentic. And it is. It's just beautiful when they have all the lights out. Oh, man. Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of Europe and around Christmas. Like they, they just do Christmas right, you know? Yeah. All right. So there, that was both our number four. That worked out really well. Skip on yeah, to your was, number three. Yeah. Skip to your number three now. So my number three is actually Finland, uh, sort of writ large. I guess you could say Helsinki, but it, to me, it's a bit more than Helsinki. So you picked a country for number three. I actually picked a country for number three, too. Not Finland, though. So we're, we're really of the <laughs> same mind here. Go ahead. Um, so I, I guess I was maybe like 
16 or 17 and uh, my my dad and my brother and I went to Finland for for Christmas. My family has really good Finnish friends who we've had for like 30 or 40 years. And so we went and visited them for Christmas in Helsinki and then we went north skiing actually in this little town called Kajani Kajani. It's sort of about halfway up uh, right below the Arctic Circle. And uh, I think Finland in Christmas is just awesome. Um, you know, they think of themselves as like the birthplace of Santa Claus and like the homeland of Santa Claus. So they sort of have like a very traditional approach to Christmas, but then Finland's also just a little bit wonky. So things they do are a little bit weird at the same time. But then on top of that, Helsinki is an awesome town and the Finnish countryside is just gorgeous. You know, it's sort of like Minnesota, like there's just a million lakes in all directions and it's just sort of vast emptiness. Um, but the snow is gorgeous. It's cold enough where, you know, it's not really that stormy. Uh, um, it, there's always snow on the ground, but it's like I remember being very clear and bright the entire time. And then, you know, the Finns themselves are just kind of awesome people. They're all a little bit nutty, but in the good way. You go in the sauna and it's like 200 degrees inside the sauna and then you run out and roll around in the snow. So, yeah, it's just kind of awesome. Um, and then I haven't been there, but the town of Rovaniemi in northern Finland, I think it's right on the Arctic Circle. That's where Finns like consider to be like the home city of Santa Claus. And when I was living in, in Lithuania, a lot of the, uh, my friends with kids would fly to Rovaniemi to go to like Santa's, um, <laughs> Santa's playhouse or whatever it was, you know. And um, I've heard really nice things about Rovaniemi. My brother's been there a couple of times in the summer. And uh, that just sounds like a really cool place. It's sort of like the last bastion of civilization going north in Finland. So, I, I mean, I think Finland year-round is pretty awesome, but it's really kind of magical in the winter. I love that you said, when I was 16 or 17, my family went to Finland, whereas, like, I'm sitting here thinking, when I was 16, I went to Ocean City, New Jersey, and maybe <laughs> we made a trek down to Florida. So, good good on your parents for having you out and about. Um, that That's just funny. It's just funny to me to take us back to high school and think of you jetting off to Finland while I was <laughs> jetting off sitting at home do probably hanging out with our buddy Dave and looking at basketball cards for hours on end yeah. or something but goofy like that I mean I, I don't want to take too much time to, to talk about it but it is a good advertisement for this thing my parents did in the 70s and 80s called like the American host program and you know my parents were teachers and this program basically set European teachers up with American teachers that they could stay with for like a month or two every summer so every summer we'd have like some random teacher from somewhere in Europe stay with us for a month or two. And then, you know, my parents being my parents, they'd immediately call them the following summer and be like, <laughs> hey, we're going to come and visit. And the first um, couple that they had were these Finnish teachers in like, you know, the mid 70s who came and visited. And then those teachers had a nephew who was like my brother's age. They became pen pals. And all of a sudden this whole family is really close to us. And we see them all the time. Um, so it, it, I mean, it was really cool and it was a really sort of cost effective way of, you know, having my brother and I meet these random Europeans, but then also having a place to stay in a lot of different places in Europe. Yeah. And there's so many programs like that now. I mean, you know, whether it's that one or whether it's simply just doing something like couch surfing or home swapping or, you know, there, there's a multitude of options. House sitting is one that you can do for free. And then usually you become, well, friends with some of the people you house sit for, and maybe they'll come stay with you. It's just, it's always neat to have friends 
in other countries. And if people are sitting here thinking, well, yeah, well, they travel a lot. That's how they do it. You know, there's so many ways to invite people to your place, even if you can't travel and get that experience. And then if you do happen to travel or if money is one of the reasons it's hard to travel, then there is that built-in cost-effective way of hopefully then, you know, you could go stay with them and especially like in Finland or something like that where you would be paying exorbitant amounts to, you know, stay in a hotel. That's pretty neat. I didn't know that they yeah. did that. I didn't know that's how you had all yeah, these friends it. all over the world. Maybe not every every summer, but you know, there's probably you know almost ten different uh, families or couples that we knew through this program. Um, yeah, and it's you know it's really cool. So cool. My my number three is a country as well. I like that. I like that you feel comfortable enough that you're taking creative liberties now. That's oh, great. we've we've only started with the creative liberties here. <laughs> all right, awesome. My number three is a country as well. It's Portugal. And, you know, we're going to talk about the, I would suggest if you're going in the winter, the two main cities, Lisbon and Porto. And the reason I, I mention them is the coldest it gets, you know, on average in January, I looked this up. So yeah, it's on, it's on the internet. So it's a hundred percent true. The coldest it gets, it's 52 Fahrenheit in January on average in Lisbon. It's 67 in October. So it's a much milder climate. So if you're going to Europe, but you don't want to be freezing, you don't want to go somewhere with snow. Portugal's a great option. It's We talked about being cheaper, like Berlin was pretty cheap. Uh, Prague is cheap. Portugal is cheaper than almost every other Western European country. Probably, I would guess, the cheapest. You know, Spain and Portugal are probably right there. You can get great accommodations for fairly cheap. Um, the food is cheap. Every, everything is a little cheaper or sometimes significantly cheaper for talking, you know, Lisbon compared to Paris or something like that. So... I just, I loved our time in Portugal. I think visiting in the winter, of course, if you want to go to the beaches of Portugal, you know, go in the summer. But even that, we were in the um, Algarve coast during the winter and you still get to see the beauty of it. Like you can't swim, but you have all the rock formations and things like that. Um, You have the beautiful river in Porto. We even took a riverboat cruise. It was a bit chilly, but you know, you still have all the beauty that I really liked about Portugal. The Palace of Sintra outside of outside of Lisbon, all that stuff. And it's, yeah, it's just milder climate than the rest of Western Europe. So I think I think Portugal gets overlooked a lot, don't you, as far as a destination? Yeah, I mean, that's actually probably the number one place in Europe I've wanted to go to and haven't been to yet. I haven't met a single person who's been there who wasn't absolutely in love with it. And I'm probably going to insult the entire country when I say this, but it seems like a, a quirky version of Spain um, that's a little bit less expensive and just a slightly, not more interesting, but just a bit off the beaten path, you know? Yeah, it is. It's a little, I mean, there are places in Spain, obviously, that are off the beaten path, but this as a country is more off the beaten path than, you know, Porto and Lisbon are more off the beaten path than obviously Barcelona and Madrid, you know, the two of the main cities in Spain. Right. And, all right. So you haven't been to Portugal, Nick, the one, probably the one place on this planet that I've been, well, I guess Chiang Mai too. You haven't yeah, been to Chiang there's Mai. There's a number of places, Travis. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah. So you haven't been to Portugal. That was my number three, the country of Portugal. What about your number two? My number two? Oh man, I'm actually... Okay. I'm getting down here. I have like six places to fit into two slots here. So that's going to be tough. Yeah. Get creative, man. We love going out on the pocket. The more more the merrier. Concepts, I think, than anything. Um, And we've sort of danced around this before, but I think any sort of like German or Germanic city in the winter is just awesome, especially around Christmas. Um, The the Vinox marks, the, the Christmas markets in, in large German cities or even small German towns are awesome. You know, they have 
like the really good little strudels and pretzels and glue vine, like the the hot mulled wine. You almost can't go wrong anywhere. In particular, I know Nuremberg has a really big Christmas market. I was there in December, you know, a long time ago, and it was really cool. And Nuremberg's a kind of interesting town anyway. Um, but for me, I would say Munich and Salzburg, and I'm joining them into one city since they're only a couple hours apart, are just like the ultimate places to go in the winter in, in the German-speaking world. Munich, you know, awesome, very modern city, but really cool history. Bavaria is very different from the rest of Germany, sort of culturally. In a lot of ways, it's, it's very much like sort of the heartland of, of Germany. Awesome food, great people, uh, you know, really interesting different kinds of alcohol, if that's your thing. Um, <laughs> we and should then, mention, speaking of alcohol, if you're going to go for Oktoberfest, be aware that most of Oktoberfest is in September, folks. So don't think <laughs> that that's right. Lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. So don't think I'm going to Oktoberfest, I'm going to go in October. Um, you want to make sure you're going over for September. So the very beginning of winter there, right? Yes, the, exactly. Um, and then Salzburg, I was in Salzburg twice last winter for whatever various reasons and um was there by myself for new year's which sounds kind of pathetic but in actuality it was awesome um i stayed in like you know i think the cheapest hotel i could get was like a best western near the train station or something like that um, but it was like a 100 bucks a night it's a small enough city you can walk around you know it's got that gorgeous castle up on the hill it's it's flooded with like german and austrian tourists in the winter um as opposed to sort of like retired americans and elderly japanese people in the summer the food was awesome people were really sweet it's just like this gorgeous condensed old medieval town um if you like the sound of music you can do like the sound of music tour all that kind of stuff which i didn't do although i sort of regret it now i but i loved it and both of those are really close to good skiing to um you know innsbruck's only about 2 hours away from munich and uh, south of Salzburg, there's really good skiing, too. So, you know, that whole part of Austria, the western part of Austria, is awesome in the winter. Only if you had done the Sound of Music tour would have been pathetic. The best western by yourself on New Year's <laughs> Eve, that's not, that's not enough to be pathetic yet, man. Yeah. What's funny, though, is that Austrians, I guess, in direct contrast to the Turks, are nuts about New Year's, it, it would seem. And, um, you know, they're very it, – it's a pretty conservative part of the world – at least compared to the rest of Europe, uh, you know, Bavaria and that part of Austria. And at like maybe 11.45, they uh, went out in the streets with muskets and just started shooting muskets in the air. <laughs> and, you know, I was living in Mumbai at the time. And every time like there's a birthday or a festival or anything like that, Mumbai goes insane with fireworks and, you know, it's crazy. And Salzburg scared me more than Mumbai ever did <laughs> in terms of the large and frequent number of explosions um, going on right outside my window, even at the Best Western. I mean, it was just, it felt like pandemonium. And then the next morning walking around, there was just like M80, sh you know, shreds all over the town. It was crazy. Um, so really cool. What a funny thought. Like little quaint Salzburg, Austria, beautiful, safe as can be, scares you more than Mumbai. At least in, yeah. at least in that regard. At least for like an hour a year. <laughs> Yeah, so Munich, Salzburg, we'll kind of wrap that into one. That whole area uh, yeah. during, during wintertime. It's beautiful, you know, like the, uh, the mountains there are just absolutely gorgeous. And Munich is like where like the rolling plains of southern Germany hit the mountains. So it's, it's really, you know, there's something to be said for that part of the world. I mean, and all over the place where, you know, the prairie kind of hits, hits the mountains. It's always just gorgeous. 
And don't forget, mid-September into very beginning <laughs> of October for Oktoberfest. I get this question from people a lot because I had gone and they're always like, oh, I'm going to go to Oktoberfest. Should I go... I'm going to go in the middle of October. I'm like, oh, well, you're going to miss it then. You need to go, you know, in the middle of September to the very beginning of October. My number two is a lot different from your number twos, and that is Rome in, obviously, Ooh. Italy. And the reason I'm mentioning Rome, it's such a, obviously, a big tourist hotspot, just like Paris. And, and most people who are listening will at some point want to go to Rome or have been to Rome or want to go back to Rome. Makes sense. It's an awesome city. But for Rome, you come for the sites, you know, the Colosseum, the Vatican, all the history, everything like that. And during the winter, you know, by my scientific calculations, there are one-tenth the amount of tourists there in the winter than in the summer, which means there are no lines. I mean, you know, I've heard horror stories of people saying, I tried to get in the Vatican, I had to wait three, three and a half hours, or, you know, in the Colosseum, all this stuff. We went, we were there in January no lines whatsoever. We walked right up to the Vatican, like right up into the entrance. There was, you know, there's still a decent amount of people in the Sistine Chapel when you get there, but not, right. it's not crazy like it would be in the summer. You know, you could take walking tours. The temperature is pretty nice anyway. So it's like, you know, average temperature of around 54 to 50, you know, something like that. So again, it's a milder climate. So it's not like you're going to go and you're going to be freezing while you do these walking tours and see all this stuff. So for me... I think going to Rome, I would rather go to Rome in the winter than in mm. the summer because the tourists are just crazy in the summer. And, you know, what's the real benefit other than it, it's hotter and you can wear shorts and things like that, but it's not that cold in the winter either. You know, you don't go to Rome for beaches. I know there are beaches around it, but you're probably not going for the beaches if you're going to Rome. You'd be going somewhere else in Italy. Right. And I think for me, at least, um, maybe it's just because I sweat so much, but I think like walking around a European city in, in, you know, 50 degree weather, 60 degree weather with a coat on is much preferable to walking around it in 80 or 90 degree weather in shorts, you know? I, yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I would throw in with Rome if, since you gave two, I'll give two. Why not? I'll follow the leader here. I would put, let's put Florence in with Rome as mm. well for the, for the same reasons. It gets a little colder, but you know, so much to see. You don't have to wait in lines to go in to see the statue of David. You don't have to wait in lines to go into the Uffizi. You know, it's just nice that it's not too, I mean, there's obviously tourists, but we went back in the, for this last trip. We went, you know, when we were in October and it was much more crowded in Florence in October than it was in January. And I can only imagine what it would have been like, you know, late June, July, August, stuff like that. I, I like Rome in the winter a lot. I think you're spot on with that one. Yeah. And pizza and wine. I mean, it's always nice. You can't go wrong. Whether it's hot or cold, right? So, all right. Exactly. We're, down to, we're down to number one. Are you going to give us a concept or a city or a oh, mixture? this is totally a concept. I'm trying to shoehorn like my three favorite places in the world into one. But really, I think what, and you, you sort of hit on this a couple of times, but I think what people don't think about with the winter in Europe is that the Mediterranean is really nice year round. And in the winter, especially, you know, it's down in like maybe the 60s, but if it's not raining, it, it's really like nice, lovely weather to walk around in. And um, for me, hold your breath here. I'm uh, Sarajevo is like my favorite place on earth. So that's my number one. But also in sort of the same vein, I like Corsica a lot and Provence in France. <laughs> and so, I mean, Corsica and Provence, you can kind of put together into one, but Sarajevo is sort of an outlier. But it's, you know, these places that 
basically have really nice mountains that are gorgeous. There's good skiing, you know, in Bosnia, actually in Corsica and in the south of France. But then within a two hour drive, you're down on the coast in nice 60 degree weather sitting on the beach. I mean, not in shorts, but like still sitting on a nice beach. And I think while none of those places outside of actually, no, the, the two French places are pretty crazy in the summer. I think you just get a very different vibe going in the winter. And I've actually only been to Sarajevo in the winter. And the first time I went, oh, maybe like 2003 in February. And you'd think in a lot of ways would be sort of like my experience in Auschwitz where it felt like a morgue. And Sarajevo was the exact opposite. It, it was creepy in a way because, you know, there was snow in the mountains. So when you come into town, you see you know, the city, and then you see like the open spaces and it's all white and you're like, oh, it's snow. And then you look closely and it's actually all like gravestones. So that sounds creepy, but it's such a vibrant city that it, it and it's, it in my mind at least, and maybe it's backslid a little bit politically, but I think it's such a forward looking country in a lot of ways and that people are so friendly and it is so like yearning to get over the past that I think it really sort of makes up for it. Yeah, I I mean, I took your advice to go to Sarajevo. So if people are listening, they're like, this guy's crazy. Well, he's crazy because he mentioned three places, <laughs> one of which is nowhere near the other two. But as you look at a map, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, they're close to, at least Sarajevo and Provence are kind of on the same latitude. And of course, because a little further right. south. But hey, uh, you know, you can do what you want here, man. You know, this is a top but- 100 show on iTunes. We do what we want. Um, yes, exactly. I, I have took your advice to go to Sarajevo. That was a place that I probably never would have thought to go to. And if I ever even thought of it, I would have thought, well, I don't even know what happened there. Like, there's no way I'm going to Sarajevo. As I think when a lot of people hear it, that they, they don't know anything about it. They think, why the heck would you go to Sarajevo? I took your advice. I loved it. I, I like you said, it was just so different. It was vibrant. There's so much going on. The people are very excited to get over the past. So there is this kind of feeling of renewal. And I mean, the food is fantastic. It is super cheap. You know, we'd sit, we'd sit there and eat shavapi for like a dollar, which is basically just a little sausage, well, sausages and pita with cream cheese and onions. It sounds, if it sounds awesome, it's, it's better than it sounds. Um, <laughs> you're, you're right with the Mediterranean part. It's, it's much, nicer in the winter than people think. I think most of the time people think of Western Europe and they think of cold like England and Paris and Amsterdam and Germany. But there are a lot of places that temperature wise are are fairly mild. Yeah. And, you know, like last winter for Marissa's birthday, we went to uh, a little bit north of of Cannes and rented a house in this little French town. So it was maybe like 20 minutes to, to the beach um, we went, we went in early March, um, I, through VRBO, we found like a, a house that slept 10 people with on like two or three acres on it. It was an old church that they converted into a house. When I asked for the price, because they didn't have a price set for March, they just came up with a number. So in the summer, this place rented, rented for like 5,000 euro a week or something. And we got it for like 16 or 1700 euro. I mean, they were just happy to have somebody there. And that worked out to be like 25 bucks a night per person. Um, you could walk down into this medieval town, you know, everything in Provence was within an hour. The beach was about 20 minutes away. Um, and I think we were a little bit lucky with the weather, but you know, we'd get up in the morning and it would be like in the forties and cool, but in like a nice way. And then by the afternoon, it was like in the, in the sixties, you could be in a t-shirt. Uh, it was just awesome. And you know, it's, it's a working living town. So it's not like anything was closed, 
so yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And I think people just wouldn't necessarily think to do that. And to be fair, we only thought to do it because it, Marissa's birthday fell around then. But yeah, I mean, the fact that they didn't even have a price and they had to, had to come up with one shows to you how little traffic that area gets. Yeah, and I think I think overall, a takeaway for the whole show is if you are traveling to Europe in the winter, it's going to be cheaper, except for my number one. And that is <laughs> Lausanne, Switzerland. Switzerland is, first off, Switzerland will never be cheap. It can't be cheap. It's impossible to be cheap. But the reason I put this on there was for the skiing. So uh, Lausanne, if you guys don't know where it is, it's it's up the lake from Geneva. So Geneva is kind of on the southern tip. So you go about an hour up the lake to the north part of the lake. That's Lausanne, Switzerland. It's an awesome city in its own right. It's kind of the gateway to all the awesome skiing or some of the awesome skiing in Switzerland. There's really a lot of it. You know, Zermatt is very close, which is where the Matterhorn is. I don't know. Have you skied in Switzerland at all, Nick? Because you're a big skier. I'm, I like it. I just yeah. have never done it. I, um, I skied north of, uh, sorry, south of Interlaken. Um, so that's what, maybe like two or three hours northeast of Lausanne? Yeah, or, um, or a little, yeah, about and- two hours, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's gorgeous there. And it's just skiing in Europe's really cool anyway, because, you know, here in the States, we think of it as like resorts and you go to one specific place and hang out there. And in Europe, it's really like, you know, these chairlifts are almost like a form of transportation between towns. So you'll go to a town and buy the lift ticket for the town and then take a, you know, a lift up and then ski down the other side of the mountain and go to a different town. And it's, it's really cool. It's a totally different way than we're used to thinking about it. Yeah, and if 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 you are a big skier, you probably know that a lot of the mountains near Lausanne, um, for what's the one Ver, Verbier? I, it's French, so I don't know how to pronounce it, but it starts yeah, with Verbier. V. Yeah, Verbier. Yeah. Um, but Lausanne, in its own right, for sure, is just a a really cool city. It's small. I believe it's actually uh, f- cool trivia fact here. It's the smallest city in the world to have a metro system. So it's like a hundred thousand people, but it has a metro system. Um, and it's Swiss. Yeah, exactly. So Swiss. It's just a really neat city. As we said, the Chateau de Chillon is there. You can go onto the lake. You can, you know, take boat tours around the lake. The, the Olympic Museum is also there because it's the head of the International Olympic Committee, which is why I was living there. And so the Olympic Museum is there. And that's a really cool museum. They have, you know, the torches from all the Olympics. They have gear. It's just a, it's just a really neat place to visit if you're into sports at all, if you like the Olympics. Who doesn't who doesn't love the Olympics though, right, Nick? I know. I mean, God, it's, FIFA's there too, aren't they? FIFA's there. Yeah, all all the international, all the really sp- corrupt uh, <laughs> sports federations are located in one tiny Swiss town. Right, right. Well, it's Switzerland. They, you know, all their privacy, right? Um, yes. But it, it's just it is a cool city to go. It's a cool city to visit, and it is kind of the jumping off point for a lot of Swiss skiing and. So I was only there, the latest I was there was the very end of October. So I was actually still swimming in the lake at the end of October. Ooh. Now it was, this was only because I made a, a kind of a, not a bet with myself. I, I set a goal and I said, if I'm living in this beautiful city and the lake is right here, like Geneva is right here, I will swim every single day. So I held to it. So it's pretty cold by the end of October. It didn't start snowing yet, but once it does, it's, it's really pretty. So... Lausanne, Switzerland. Have you been to Lausanne? You've been to Geneva, right? No, I haven't been to either. Um, oh, I've heard, though, that the, both of them are very nice in the winter because it, it doesn't get too cold, but, you know, the, the mountains are right there at the same time. Like, Geneva has palm trees, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a mod... When we say moderate, it's compared to the mountains, you know, that get dumped with snow. Yeah, it's it's pretty... It's fairly moderate. It's not going to... 
you're not going to be freezing unless you jump mm. in Lake Geneva I, in October. Yeah, well, in, in that case, yeah. And I think also, I mean, you're you're really close there to a lot of good French skiing as well. Um, you know, Chamonix not that far away. I think it's you're right. It, it is a great hub to get out and see other stuff. Yeah, Evian is right across the lake, which is just cool because you take the boat across the lake and you go to Evian and then you get some of the spring water. I mean, they have fountains everywhere and you get some spring water and then you think, I didn't have to pay for this Evian water. I just filled up my bottle. So That is really cool. Yeah, Cheap, cheap, I, I, cheap you know, travel gonna, trick, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. when in Switzerland, go to Evian. Yeah, fly um, to one of the world's most expensive cities so you can get a free bottle of Evian water. Yeah, no, I, I'm probably going to alienate half your your listenership with this. I, I think Switzerland would be the greatest country on earth. Um, I just, I don't, there's something about it I just don't like, if that makes any sense. That might be too negative. I mean, I love it when I'm whenever I've been there. It's just very Swiss. It's so expensive. I mean, that's my problem. Yeah. It's beautiful and the people are nice, but you almost feel like they're nice because they're like, yeah, someone's coming to see our awesome country. Like they know how good it is. So not really condescending in any way at all, but it's almost like, yeah, let's be nice to them as they get to see the better side of, of what life should be. Yeah. But then we don't get to live that life day after day and they do. So for me, it's a little bit of envy, I guess, right? Like, man, you have, oh, an, no, totally. you have an awesome country, awesome natural beauty. Everyone makes a lot of money here. You know, what, what could be wrong? And um, so it's, and then when you go and you have to spend U.S. dollars and, you know, an extra value meal at McDonald's is like $25, you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to live here? So Lausanne, Switzerland, though, that's my number one place to go in Europe in the winter. So any other ones you want to mention that I know you were kind of throwing some together there. So is there anything that yes, you didn't I, I get did to get say? a little uh, generic there towards the end. Um, no, I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with what I said. I would have liked to talk about Corsica more, but I've talked about that before. I really like it. One thing for me... Um, and I, I, you know, I can't do one of these shows without talking about Russia. I'd love to go to St. Petersburg in the winter. I've heard it's just really cool. My, you know, my, my nephew was born outside St. Petersburg. So my brother and sister-in-law spent a couple months there around Christmas one year. And, um, it just, you know, it's very majestic, um, has a lot of really cool museums, all the old palaces, really cool cultural stuff to do. And, you know, that part of the world really, gets interesting in the winter because, you know, traditionally they were always just inside, you know, with like the opera or ballet, that kind of thing. So there's always a lot to do in the winter, I think more than in other places because, you know, they're, they can't really be outside. Yeah. Um, that's but a good then, you point. know, you, you hear these stories about uh, like in St. Pete's in Moscow, they have entire teams of people whose only job it is, is to go around in the winter with long sticks and knock the ice off the exterior buildings because people die in the winter when the ice falls off and, you know, you get like 200 pounds of ice falling off a three story building. It, it, you know, it it takes you out. So like just weird, it just seems like a really different place in the winter. And I think, you know, that's probably applicable for all of Russia, but I think St. Petersburg specifically is the place I'd like to go. Yeah. We could do a whole show of places that we'd want to go because remember, like (laughs) if you're listening to this, these are places that we've been during the winter. So there's so many we didn't mention because we haven't been there, but I will remind everyone too, you're the one who tried to talk me into taking the Trans-Siberian Railroad through Russia in the winter saying- In winter, it would be awesome. Yeah, it'll be like 23 hours of darkness and freezing cold, but come on, man, it would be really cool. And uh, I, I think it's just a different experience. It, it would probably get a little boring after a few days of seeing just <laughs> endless trees with snow on. But 
I'd love to see Central Russia in the winter, but no one's going to ever go with me. So, well, I'll have to you wait know, tire. if you talk, if you do talk me into it, what we'll try to promise people is we'll do a podcast. If we, if if technology allows us to do this, we'll do a podcast from the Trans Siberian Railroad going through Russia in the middle of the winter because we'll probably be bored out of our mind anyway. I imagine it will be a ten-hour podcast every day. <laughs> so there, you guys have it. Our top ten European cities to visit in the winter. Remember, you can get all the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Europe in winter. And of course, we want to hear the ones that you suggest, because again, these have to be ones that we've been to. We haven't been everywhere. So I know there's a lot out there, places that you would suggest people go in the winter because traveling in Europe in the winter is going to be cheaper. There's going to be less tourists and it's just a, a different experience. So I would urge people to do that. And of course, if you're using miles, it's going to be a lot easier to book those tickets as well. So this show, I'll mention it again, was a suggestion from at far three the well. So if you guys have shows that you want us to do, if you have shows that you want me to bring on a co-host and do, or guests you want me to get on, or if you want Nick to come back and do a show, which I need all the ammunition I can get, guys, to get Nick to come back on. I have to keep coming up with all these like excuses to get you on. These, these weird European uh, <laughs> topics to come up with. Yeah, you could send us an email, Trav, at Extra Pack of Peanuts. Of course, you can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. And don't forget as well, we are running the survey, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey. You can fill that out. It'll take less than five minutes. You have a chance at winning a $50 Amazon gift card. And of course, it really helps us. I even sent you an email, Nick, the other day saying, hey, you got to come on. Here's what this person wrote. Here's with this nice thing that this person wrote about you so yeah you know that doesn't happen every day so yeah so there you guys go thanks a lot extrapackfans.com slash survey if you want to fill that out as always thanks for the support thanks for making us a top 100 podcast on itunes and of course until tomorrow happy free travels